Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. You're here because you want to learn about how to live a healthier life, how to live more sustainably, how to take your everyday actions and make them work for you and the planet. Sometimes it might feel like you've got this figured out, and other times you probably feel lost. That's why I'm here. Together, we will learn how to live happier, healthier lives without the need to be perfect and always allowing space for a little cluelessness on this journey to living a more conscious life. This episode is a supercut of all of the most important sustainability, eco-friendly, green living episodes I have had thus far. It is going to take you on a journey of what not to do, what to do, and all the other good stuff too. Here we go. At this point in my sustainability journey, I have tried lots of products. Plain Products is a clear winner, not only with their product, but their mission to eliminate single-use plastic from the bathroom. Offering a line of toxin-free personal care products, Plain Products come in aluminum bottles that can be sent back and refilled time after time. Seriously, it's so cool. All of the products are vegan, non-GMO, cruelty-free, biodegradable, color-safe, and free of parabens, sulfates, and toxins. So it's good for the body and the planet. Get 20% off your first order of Plain Products with code CARLY20 at plainproducts.com. That's C-A-R-L-Y-2-0. Get sustainably clean today. So today I want to talk about sustainability. It's one of the things I like to talk about in terms of trying to be a little more conscious and a little less clueless. I've talked about it before, but I thought I would share this number one tip, this first thing that I wish I kind of would have had in my back pocket or idea in my mind when starting to live more sustainably. I wanted to share that with you today. So before we get there, what does live more sustainably mean? First of all, that is very different things for different people based on a variety of factors. I know that I am very privileged and some of the sustainable, quote unquote, sustainable changes that I can make are directly related to that privilege. So everyone is at a different place and there is not a final destination that you need to be searching for. It is just trying to do better in any ways that you are able. And being more sustainable, by that I mean better for the planet, better for each other and the health of humankind and animal kind, any sentient being, and just overall a more sustainable practice. So all of that being said, a lot of times when you see maybe lists online of how to be more eco-friendly, how to be more sustainable, there'll be a list of maybe 20, 30 things that you can do, which is great. Some of those are super helpful. Other times, I think they can be a tad overwhelming, and here's why. When you look at a list, let's say, of top 10 ways to live more eco-friendly, let's say one of the suggestions is to bring a to-go mug everywhere you go. Amazing. One of my favorites. Let's say a different one is to buy a more sustainable toothpaste brand or you start composting in your kitchen. You get the idea. Those are all amazing things. However, I think sometimes those lists of a random bunch of sustainable tips in one spot can make people kind of take on too much. 
So when you think about, okay, I'm going to switch out my toothpaste in the bathroom, then you kind of go, oh yeah, what about my mouthwash? And what about my toothbrush? Maybe that should be made out of bamboo and not plastic. Or when you think about composting, then you start thinking about all these other things in your kitchen. And I think that it can bring on a little bit too much too fast. And at least in my case, I can speak from my own experience It made me want to try and fix everything and do everything differently exactly at the same time, right then and there, and it was very overwhelming, and I made some huge mistakes that I would not make if I had had a little bit more perspective on what it means to be sustainable, and some of that just comes with the journey, but I think there is something to be said about starting in a particular way. So my hot tip. My number one tip that I want to tell people to start with, because I think it will serve you in the long run, start either room by room or hobby by hobby, break down your life into these bite-sized chunks where you can start to say, okay, I'm going to make my bathroom routine more sustainable. That means I look at the shower products I use. That means I look at my lotion and my toothpaste maybe. So you start doing a little bit of research. Oh, your toilet paper maybe. Like there are all these different things. Start there. And when you feel comfortable and you've got a hold on that, then maybe you move on and say, how can I make the kitchen a little more sustainable? And it's not that every room's gonna be done, you check it off the list, But do a few things in one place, or maybe you travel a lot for work. So maybe you start with travel. How can I make that a more sustainable activity in my life? Do I get the to-go mug and a napkin or whatever it is? So think about areas of your life or rooms in your house, whatever makes sense to you to start with and go from there. Room by room, you go bathroom, kitchen, living room, laundry room, since maybe you think about laundry soap and stuff. I mean, really just break it down piece by piece and it becomes more digestible. And then you also aren't starting to get fatigue from researching new things if you are maybe kind of new to this and you're diving in, the internet can be a little overwhelming. Take it from someone who spent too many hours researching things like laundry soap and the like. It is a lot to take in. Do you want to be plastic free? Do you want to be zero waste? Do you want to be sustainable? Do you want to be vegan? Do you want to be... There are so many things. So breaking it down in digestible bite size chunks means you don't get as fatigued too because you're not starting to learn about everything in every area of your life that you need to improve if that's how you feel. You can just start in the places that also excite you. So like I said, if you travel a lot and you love to travel, then it's exciting to think about what are some of the swaps I can make that make a difference? What are some of the things I can do in that time that is exciting. Or maybe you love kind of like bath stuff and self-care masks and that kind of thing. Maybe that's where you start and you find a place where you can get more sustainably made and packaged bath bombs or face masks. Whatever it is, make it fun because 
if it feels like a chore to you, and it will, and it and it can, because we were not born in a perfectly sustainable world. We were, in fact, born into a society that favors capitalism and makes us rely on buying lots and lots and lots and lots of shit that's filling up landfills. So by trying to be more sustainable, you are actually trying to break that mold, even if just by doing a few things. So sometimes, yeah, it'll feel like a chore because the world isn't set up that way. But if you start to learn about it, you kind of find out why it matters. That usually helps me. But also you just take it piece by piece and you start with the places that it can be fun. Then it doesn't feel like an absolute pain in your ass. Because if it starts to feel like that, you're not going to do it. In fact, you'll probably resent it. Then you won't want to make any changes at all. And that is not what we need. So that is my tip. Break it down. Make it into bite-sized chunks. Don't download a list of 100 ways to be more sustainable. Print it off and try and do it all tomorrow. You'll drive yourself literally insane. So don't do that. Just try and take it piece by piece, or maybe you really have a good routine that feels sustainable and healthy in one area of your life and you haven't really branched out. Do that now. Maybe just try a little bit. And I will say, it's important to note, this has come up in many interview episodes and I hope will come up in the future in interview or solo episodes. This responsibility of being more sustainable and being a good steward of the earth is not solely resting on the shoulders of the individual. It is a very small percentage of big businesses in the world, actually, that create the most emissions and make it so we are scrambling to make these sustainable swaps to make any sort of difference. So I encourage these individual things you can do because one, they make us feel connected. Two, they do make a difference. Three, it shows the market what we're interested in and a whole other host of reasons. But I also don't ever want you to think that I don't want to hold those big companies responsible for the damage they've done and just suggest individual zero-waste swaps and think that the world will change. I think it's going to take everything and all of it and all of the above. So if you are starting on living a little bit more sustainably or maybe you're just trying to get rid of things, this tip can help with that too. If you're trying to live more minimalistly or you just want to get rid of shit in your house, Start room by room or hobby by hobby and go from there and you won't jump around so much. So two episodes ago, I talked about my number one thing to think about when you are starting to get interested in more of an eco-friendly or sustainable lifestyle, kind of starting to use those plastic-free swaps or wherever you're at in the journey of being more conscious of how you kind of walk through the earth. So... I want to do a few episodes here and there on some of my favorite ways to do that in hopes that will inspire you to try some new sustainable practices in your life. So today's episode is about being more sustainable on the go. This is the first area of my life where I made a few purchases and swaps early on when I started learning about why I should care about the environment. So on the go, I've got five, I think it's five, five of my kind of top ones that are always with me for the most part. 
and it has made such a difference and has prevented me from using a lot of single waste plastic. Now, I'm not perfect. You know, I have forgotten things or, you know, life happens. But if you keep these things around that I'm about to share, I guarantee you, you can make a few less plastic things go to landfill. So the first thing is a reusable shopping bag. These are everywhere now, actually to the point where it's kind of a problem because there are so many bags being made out of cotton and polyester, which is just plastic anyway, and people are losing them or whatever. Anyway, I digress. I don't mean to give them a bad rap because here I am telling you that you should have one, but I'm just saying, don't go nuts. You probably don't need 15 reusable bags, as cute as they are when you're at the checkout of another place or it has its name on it or whatever it is. Just keep a reusable bag in your car. If you carry a bag or a purse on you during the day, keep it in there. They get the ones that fold up into itself and it's so small. It's so doable to throw in a backpack or a purse or in your car. The next one is a mug or some sort of container with a lid, so a water bottle or a mug. I think a mug for me, because I'm usually leaving the house with tea, but if you are out and about during your day, especially if you're traveling, you can refill it with water or get coffee or tea wherever you're at, and you'll always have some sort of drinking vessel. Again, great in your purse, your backpack, or if you are not someone who carries a bag on them during the day, put a little thing in your car, a little basket, a little bag, whatever it is, a spot where you keep a few of these things in your car or wherever makes sense to you so you know where these things are and you can get them when you need to when you are out and about. I have already said that twice this episode. I am showing my Minnesotan-ness here. I digress again. So the next thing, we've got our reusable bag for obvious reasons, a mug or a water bottle of some sort, The next thing is a reusable smaller bag. So when I said shopping bag before, that's like what you go to Target with and load your groceries up. If you've ever heard of a stasher bag, it's the brand stasher, or any reusable plastic or silicone bag that are becoming more and more popular, I keep one of those, if I can remember, in my purse because you never know if you go out to eat You can bring leftovers home in them, which at first, if you feel weird putting your leftovers in your own bag, it's not that big of a deal. But you can use it for that. You can use it for a snack. If you have a dog, you can bring treats with or whatever it is. They can be used for anything. Maybe something spills in your bag. You throw it in there. It's just really nice to have a bag that seals that you can rinse out and use again. The next one is utensils. I think I talked a million years ago on the podcast about the zero waste things you don't really need to do, and one of them is to buy a bunch of new shit. I totally did that. I fell for it. I bought a cute bamboo utensil set. I still have them. I still love them, and I still use them because I'll use them as long as I can, but I definitely could have just taken a fork and a knife from the drawer in my kitchen and put them in a bag, (laughs) and that would have been okay. So, You could literally, again, whether you're keeping this in some sort of bag or purse or backpack or your car, just put some forks and a spoon somewhere and you will be amazed at how many times you don't have to use 
single-use plastic by having those on hand. This is, maybe it's six technically, but this is like a four and a half on the list because to me they go hand in hand, but I always have a straw in that little utensil bag as well. I like drinking out of a straw. If you don't care about straws, you don't need it. That's okay. That's another thing you don't need to buy, but I did really want straws when I started going zero waste and not plastic ones. So I have some metal ones and I throw one in my bag because you just never know and it's nice to have. Last but certainly not least is my trusty napkin. I always have a napkin with me whether you need to blow your nose unexpectedly or you are crying at an Instagram video in public, just me, maybe, okay, Um, whether you are actually eating out and you can just use that napkin instead of going to grab a bunch of uh, single-use napkins, whatever it is, something like that in your bag or in your little to-go kit that we are creating here today, you are going to use that in so many ways. You will just... You'll thank me later. I promise on that one. You'll thank me later for always having a napkin. They used to. People used to have napkins and handkerchiefs on them all the time. So we're just bringing it back and going a little more sustainable with it. Today's solo episode is going to be about defining our terms. I kind of feel like I'm back in college where I have to start my paper with, here's the terms I'm going to use and here are their definitions. But it's really important when we use jargon to know what it means, if it matters, and all that. So today, we will be looking at green versus eco-friendly versus sustainable. These are all words I use a lot. They are all used pretty interchangeably when looking at stuff kind of in this realm, in this world. But I wanted to, for myself and for all of us listening, to kind of figure out what they mean and then also talk about does it really matter? And what should you be looking for? So let's start with one that I probably use the most, and that is sustainability. Now, sustainability is probably the word out of these three with the highest standards for what that actually means when someone uses it. So this great article I found that I'll link in the show notes says that sustainability sets the focus on the future. It means the item or action is generating environmental, social, and economic benefits while not using up too many resources or causing pollution. So all of these points are covered under one word. When I started reading into this for this episode, I kind of look at sustainability as this umbrella term that may not be completely right, but it feels like sustainable has this broad reach because it has a wide scope of issues, but it's actually pretty defined. So there are a lot of things that can fall into this. And really, at the end of the day, if something is sustainable, it is not compromising the ability of future generations to meet the needs of that product or that thing. So sustainability really has a focus on the future. If you are thinking about living sustainably, you're trying to, the goal is, right? And of course, we're not aiming for perfection. We're aiming for what's possible within our reach, but that we can do. And so if we're trying to live sustainably, we're really trying to live in a way that 
causes the least impact on the earth for the future. Living sustainably means living in a way that is not taking so much more than you are giving. So that kind of regenerative idea of really um, giving back what you take or just taking less. So the idea of sustainability really puts the focus on the future. The next one is green, and that one is really just a marketing tool at this point. Yes, things can be more green. You can live a more green life. It is not just the color, unless that is your favorite color. You want to live a more green life. Live your life green. But what it means in this context is basically just anything that can benefit the environment. Uh, Any idea of being helpful for the environment, living for the environment, but not really clearly defined on what that means, just kind of like loosey-goosey term, is green. So you're living in a more green way. This is a greenly made whatever. But at the end of the day, again, green is often a marketing term. So you'll see green on like your shampoo bottle, or you'll see green advertised at an event or something. And because it's just so loose, the idea is nice, but it's one that you might want to check up on a little bit more. Eco-friendly is another one that I think is really broad and that is used a lot in marketing with products, with events, with campaigns, with concerts, like everything these days. You see eco-friendly because it's this idea of being eco, being environmental. And environmental can kind of be used here with eco-friendly. Eco-friendly, I think, is a term people like literally because the word friendly is in there. I think people like it because it makes you feel good to be like, I'm eco-friendly. I am being friendly towards the planet. That's really the definition here. It means that something doesn't harm the planet. So again, that's broad. It's maybe a little less broad than just green, because green is anything benefiting the environment. Eco-friendly then is saying benefiting the environment, but like also let's not harm it. And then again, sustainability to come back is that one that has more of a clear definition. It sets the focus on the future. Green and eco-friendly to me are terms that have really been co-opted from our capitalist system in trying to make us buy more products, and buy things without guilt because markets are realizing that there is money to be made in this idea of sustainability, living green, eco-friendly, insert one of these terms here. But I think a lot of times, and we know a lot of times, these companies are doing that to get you to buy their product and aren't actually green, eco-friendly, or sustainable in the slightest. So while these terms all might mean different things, and while You may like one more than the other, or one appeals to you more than the other. I think sustainable and sustainability has more of an actual definition. But even so, if you have the privilege to have the time and the money to be doing research to see if the things in your life are green, eco-friendly, sustainable, let's just use sustainable from here on out, you should do the research. If you can... You should see, is this bottle of shampoo actually green? Is it actually 
sustainable or are they just saying green because they put some plant extracts in it and now it feels like they can use that term. So I would always be wary of these terms in general if you are making purchases, but in terms of using them to explain kind of a lifestyle, you can use whatever you want as long as you know that they need to be defined for you. They might look different to other people. And what matters most is that you're paying attention to this as much as you can. If you're listening to this episode, you are already interested in these things, which, hell yeah, you're amazing. But it's just a reminder that while these terms mean something, (laughs) they kind of don't, right? And I know that sounds really contradicting, and I'm sticking with sustainable as my best option if I had to choose one. But again, if you have the ability to, it's really important to just look up what these mean for the situation you're in. How are the products shipped? How are the products made? How are the people making this product treated? Are they paid beyond a living wage and treated fairly? Those are the types of questions you can ask. And don't just trust that all of those things are going on and that it's a perfect product because it says green or eco-friendly or even sustainable. I know that that might add some frustration. I was trying to eliminate confusion, but I think I realized that all I'm saying is they kind of mean something and they kind of don't. I hope that doesn't add to any frustration, but just reminds you that to be sustainable in this movement means to actively be researching and learning and calling out when things aren't actually holding up to the terms they're using. If someone is using sustainable on their packaging and you can't find anything about sustainability of their company or business, that's a problem. Shoot them an email, right? Like if people are using these terms, we should know what they mean and they should be held accountable. I hope that was helpful. If there are more terms within the sustainability, wellness, vegan world that you need to find and you need help on, let me know. I would love to define them. This podcast is supported by North. North's mission is to provide unique and innovative cannabis products to help bring peace, calm, and healthy alternatives to their consumers. All of their products have been meticulously designed and formulated by co-founders Brandon and Mike to ensure that their customers receive nothing but the highest quality. Currently, they offer three product lines, Vibes, a THC CBD seltzer, gummies, THC gummies, and fusions, a CBD wellness beverage. I'm a huge fan of the THC CBD seltzer. My current favorite flavor, blackberry mango. Use code CARLY15 to get 15% off your order at drinkthenorth.com. That's C-A-R-L-Y-1-5, or hit the link in the show notes. Enjoy drinking the North. This podcast is supported by Parade Underwear. Parade believes that the materials that touch your skin should be as comfortable as possible, wherever life takes you. That's why their styles come in a large range of fabrics, from seamless universal that disappears under clothes to cozy waffles plush comfort that keep you comfy on every occasion. Parade understands that everyone deserves to express themselves however they choose, because we're all unique. And Parade knows that there's no parade without our planet. They strive to make all of their products from reclaimed, recycled, responsible, renewable, or regenerative materials. This is really a win-win-win. I love Parade. I've been wearing them for a while now, and I can't recommend them enough. And of course, we love the mission. 
Use code consciously.carly for 20% off your first order. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-L-Y dot C-A-R-L-Y, consciously.carly. Enjoy your new undies. Just like with anything else that gets popular, there are a lot of trends within the sustainability and living eco-friendly movement. You've probably noticed either your favorite brands or your content on social media might be starting to lean a little bit more in the direction of being eco-friendly. It's a really cool shift to see in the market, and a lot of that is possible because people like you listening are driving that change. There are major companies seeing, oh, people are starting to really get passionate and louder and louder about caring about the planet. It's becoming harder to ignore. So that means that many trends come out, right? That there are a lot of trends surrounding the sustainability movement on like the next best way to save the planet. Now, the overall uptick in sustainability trending in general, I think is absolutely amazing for all the things I just said. But there are a few trends, quote unquote, that come out of learning how to be sustainable, or if you Google becoming sustainable, things that you're told to do, that I really think you can bypass and that shouldn't matter. A lot of these trends are rooted in capitalism and spending more and buying more and and turns out that's not actually what we need to do. So let's start there. The first trend I want to talk about is just in general this idea that to be eco-friendly, to care about the planet, you have to buy more stuff. When I first started learning about sustainability, I definitely fell into the camp of, oh, I'm going to buy all of these things because that'll make me able to live more eco-friendly. So I bought things like a bamboo cutlery set or a thousand billion mason jars so they all matched. Things like that that I now realize were completely unnecessary didn't help me become more eco-friendly. Actually, they just helped me gather more stuff and consume more. So this trend that you have to buy this cute little bamboo cutlery set in order to be eco-friendly is quite frankly bullshit. And it's setting people up for a loss because they think they have to invest money in order to even entertain the idea of sustainability. Let's use that example of the bamboo cutlery set. You know, it's just a fork and knife and spoon in this little case. It's cute. It's purple. It's my favorite color, so that's exciting. But I also could have just grabbed a fork from my kitchen, wrapped it in a napkin, and threw it in my purse. Done deal. With the mason jars, I bought so many mason jars. Of course, they don't not go to use in some way, shape, or form. But I also buy vegan mayo in a glass jar probably once every other week. And I've bought peanut butter in glass jars if I'm not making my own. So there are a lot of ways to get containers. And it doesn't even have to be glass. The Talenti raspberry sorbet that I treat myself to maybe a little too frequently, those plastic containers are really nice and I use them for everything. So I would now think of it as what do I already have 
Or what am I already buying that I can use to help me be more sustainable instead of this idea of having to buy things to be sustainable? Because we know at the end of the day, we can't consume our way out of this problem of the climate crisis and all of the things that are happening to our planet because we are not living sustainably enough. So that is trend number one to ignore. You do not have to buy more shit in order to be living more sustainably. Yes, yeah, sometimes that helps. Sometimes you'll make investments in things that help you that are really great. But that's not a requirement of being sustainable. You don't have to buy all these new things. Trend number two, this might be a little triggering for some folks, but I am so tired of hearing about how people have kept their trash in a jar after one year. I don't know if you've seen this, if you first kind of dive into being sustainable, or at least when I did a few years ago, it was a really big trend to see how much trash you could produce in a month or a year, and could you get it down to like a glass jar? So you'd pe- see these people on YouTube be like, yep, all of the trash I produced fits in this mason jar. So that's amazing. If you are able to figure out how to live life in a way that only lets you produce a jar's worth of garbage a year, hats off to ya. That's amazing. And if you can do that, I'm not saying you shouldn't. But what a way to set somebody up to feel like they can't be sustainable or join the movement. Because the majority of us are still producing more trash than fits in a jar in a year. Becoming sustainable definitely, definitely allowed me to lessen my trash output. I became so much more thoughtful about what I was buying, what I was getting rid of, what the end of life of things were. So of course, I do produce less trash now and it's amazing. But it's definitely more than a mason jar's worth a year. And if that feels like a barrier of entry, then we're not doing something right. We need to do our marketing in the sustainability movement differently if people feel like they can't be a part of the movement to live more eco-friendly or sustainable or whatever language you want to use if they have more trash than fits in a jar. So that's a big trend you might see if you are reading like zero waste blogs and all those things that I think you can totally ignore. Yes, figure out how to produce less trash. But if it is more than fits in a jar, it doesn't mean you failed. You're still doing a really good job just by prioritizing this in your life. Finally, the last trend I see, I think this is the most relevant one in my mind and what I'm seeing lately, is buying something because of a particular label. Now this could be and might be another podcast episode in and of itself, with all of the different labels on things like eco-friendly, plant-based, zero waste, recycled plastic. There's all these different labels on things because companies and brands are noticing this is selling my product. People care about the environment, so I'm going to put all these fancy labels on there so people don't have to think about it and they'll buy my product. So I am not judging you if you have fallen for some of these greenwashing tactics. I did a whole episode that I'll link in the show notes about what is greenwashing, but to just kind of recap, this idea that brands are like using those labels that say organic, plant-based, but that's not really rooted in anything. It doesn't mean anything. There's no regulations around that. So they're using it because they know it sells. So don't just trust a label 
that says plant-based and trust it as truth. It seems to be a trendy thing now to be like, oh, I'm so glad I cannot have to really worry about it. I can just use whatever these labels say. I'll buy this product and that's it. And of course, if that's what you can do in this moment, hopefully that product is better than its alternative. But if you have the privilege and time to take a few minutes to make sure that that product actually is what it says it is, we can avoid this greenwashing. We can avoid, quite frankly, wasting our money and also giving money to places that actually aren't doing the things they say they are. They're not committed to sustainability. So if we can stay away from the trend of just buying because something says green, eco-friendly, planet-friendly, I think we will push the market even more to be accountable, to not just put green or eco-friendly on their products, but to actually be green and actually be eco-friendly. So there are many more where that came from, but those are a few trends I think you can totally avoid or watch out for if you are learning to live more sustainably or eco-friendly. I should have said this in the beginning, but my voice is a little off this episode. I was celebrating a friend's life with a bunch of people last weekend and obviously celebrated a little bit hard. So my voice is a little scratchy, but hopefully next week I will be back and I won't sound like this, but thanks for bearing with me. So a term I wanted to bring up and talk about is greenwashing. So this idea of greenwashing, you may have heard this before, um, If not, and if this is new to you, that's okay too. You do not have to know what it means. But unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably noticed that companies are starting to talk more about sustainability or being environmentally friendly or no toxic products or all of those kind of buzz words and lines. A lot of major, huge brands nationally are paying attention to this. First of all, that's a good sign. It's a good sign that big companies that do laundry soaps or big companies that do like body wash and shampoo are starting to look at those types of things because that means the market is driving them to do so. That means our interest in sustainability is enough that they are trying to jump on board. That means that there is enough interest in saving the damn planet that they're actually paying attention. So I want to preface that, that that's a good sign. But herein lies the potential issue that has been popping up more and more, this idea of greenwashing. So these big companies that own lots of different brands and they have a ton of money and they see that the market is becoming saturated with these small businesses that are popping up, not saturated, but becoming filled with these small businesses that are promoting eco-friendly and low-waste sustainable products. So they want to get on board. However, they have huge teams of marketing to help them look like they're on board, but they don't actually have to be on board. So let me define greenwashing for you. I found an amazing article that I'll put in the show notes. Business News Daily put one out that is literally, what is greenwashing? So according to the article, 
Greenwashing has really changed over the last 20 years and has actually evolved and become more dangerous, I would say. There are even places like Walmart that are settling claims in court because of greenwashing and then them actually having products that have toxic stuff in them. So it's a huge deal. So what is greenwashing? It's making you think you're buying into a product or a company that is environmentally friendly, eco-friendly, sustainable, low-waste, plastic-free, vegan, cruelty-free. A lot of those terms don't mean anything. They don't have to be checked. They can be just on there and make us feel better. Or maybe there's pictures of mountains or birds or just, you know, nature. So it feels like really connected to sustainability. Um, They might have like a designations that aren't credible. Like I said, I'm looking through this article, the greening of a dangerous product, like eco-friendly cigarettes. That's a thing that's been used. Um, Jargon and information that only a scientist could check or understand. Imaginary friends, like A third-party endorsement that's made up, actually no proof, fluffy language, suggestive pictures, a green impression, all of that. So I bet you could dig into a brand or something and find greenwashing. The difference between greenwashing and green marketing is that the greenwashing is usually covering up something that is lies. So it's not totally true. It's washing away the truth. Green marketing is just actual sustainability, actual adherence to claims or trademarks or labels that mean something and are backed up by science. So the way to kind of avoid this is to just look into things. You can check up on products online. You can Google them. You could even Google some of your favorite sustainability brands or things that you use and put in greenwashing behind it in your Google search and see if any articles come up because people are starting to call this stuff out. And I want to make sure that I'm clear here. I fully support this green marketing when things are true. The greenwashing is dangerous because it's just a way for these big companies to make more money. And it's it's morally just, just disgusting because it makes people think they're doing the right thing. It tricks us into thinking we're doing a better job because we heard we're supposed to be doing a better job, but we're actually not. And that's another thing I want to point out. If you listen to this podcast and you Google your favorite laundry soap right now, thinking it was sustainable, and you find out it's not, it's okay. It is not your fault. Capitalism and the marketing that comes behind it is powerful. And it is a whole system. That's a whole nother podcast to try and dismantle that system in and of itself. But it's okay if something slipped past you, it's going to happen, especially if you're beginning your sustainable journey and you're just like, I want to try this. I want to try this. If you fell for some really tricky, potent marketing, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Don't stop trying. That's going to happen. I've done that. I've totally done that. I think I gave some examples probably in the podcast that I mentioned earlier a few episodes ago, but like 
I didn't need to buy bamboo cutlery for my purse. I could have just thrown in a silverware fork and knife from my drawer. Like stuff like that, that's greenwashing. But that's okay, I still use that set. It is what it is, I know more now. Maybe you really want that and like that. I'm just saying, there's ways these people are trying to get us to spend money and actually we're not doing anything good with it. And you vote with your dollar. And they know that. So they're trying to get you to vote with your dollar to their company because it looks better. So just slow down when brands are doing that kind of stuff, especially the big brands that are kind of trying to get on board now. And just really look at what matters to you. I love that. Ashley Piper, I interviewed her a few weeks ago now, and she talked about from her book, just what matters to you. Is it first plastic? Is it first that it's vegan? Is it first that it is uh, non-toxic? Like, sometimes you're not going to get them all. What matters to you? And don't worry if you screw up and fall for some picturesque mountains that claim to be the most eco-friendly spring water mountains. I don't know. I'm sure I just described an actual ad, but you get the point. It's a part of it. Just be on the lookout for it and call it out. Don't be afraid to call these companies out, to write them, to um, tag them and ask them questions because they have to respond to the market. But if we keep buying the products because we think we're doing good and we're actually not and we're not saying anything, then they will keep making money and I want other places to get my money. So I'm going to look up some resources. I don't have any off the top of my head, but I'll put them in the show notes on how to research brands. I know there's some really good websites out there. So if you're curious, just maybe if you're starting to replace thing, like don't go throw out everything in your cupboard or in your cleaning kit right now. Just use those things up. And as you replace them, maybe you Google the brand and see what comes up. So greenwashing is powerful. A lot of clothing companies are doing it now, like conscious brands at H&M and that kind of stuff, but they're actually distracting from like the huge problem that their industry is still contributing to of waste and abuse of workers and all that. So just kind of hold up, really. I mean, I think it's a good reminder just to hold up before we make any purchases, but just to kind of slow your roll and think, What is the actual impact of this? What is the long-term life of this if you're buying something like clothes or a bigger purchase? If it's something that you use every day, like lotion or whatever it is, just, you know, start with the things you care about and go from there. And don't worry if you screw up. It's a part of the journey. It's a part of learning, conscious to clueless, and all of that. So I've talked on here or interviewed people who talk about being zero waste or low waste using less plastic, you know, being more eco-friendly. And I thought it would be good to share some honest zero-waste fails that I have had in my life to just remind you that there's never going to be a perfect zero-waste situation. So what does that mean, zero-waste? It means living your life in a way that produces the least amount of waste possible. So no plastic waste, basically not having trash, you know, having recyclables, but not having trash. And then some would argue it would be even further like recyclables and all that jazz. So there's a lot to it. But I think it's a great goal to live to make less waste and make those choices and learn about how to do that. 
I sometimes, as I've talked about in the past, can get a little obsessive about things and want to try and do things right and be really good at it. And that was definitely true when I was trying to go zero waste, which I don't even like that term anymore because I feel like low waste is more accurate. No one can be zero waste in our world right now. So low waste. When I was trying to go low waste, I had a few moments that I thought I would share to remind you there is not a perfect zero waste or low waste person, or if it is, it's definitely not me. So number one, I had gotten this vegan mayo that I grabbed from Target. This was in grad school a few years back. And I accidentally grabbed black truffle or like truffle mayo And when I tried it, I hated it. And I didn't know that's what I grabbed. And I thought it was really gross. I just did not like it. But I was like, well, it's in this plastic container that I already bought. And I'm really trying to not waste food and not waste things. Like, what am I going to do with this? And so I thought I was having a genius idea when I thought I would use it as a hair mask. I had done mayo hair masks in the past. And I know that I sound a little crazy right now, but it actually makes your hair super soft and shiny. So don't knock it till you try it. However, I put black truffle mayo in my hair and then I, you know, went to rinse it out and it smelled like black truffle. And so truffle, like black truffle salt, black salt is it has a sulfury taste. I use it in recipes like tofu scramble because it gives it a little bit more of an eggy taste without it being eggs. So imagine that smell, that like sulfury kind of eggy smell on my head and it would not come out. I kept having to call my roommate in for him to sniff my head, poking my head out of the shower every time after I scrubbed it to get the smell of truffle mayonnaise out of my hair because I was so adamant that I could not waste this mayonnaise. And I showered for, I don't even know, it felt like the rest of the night. The smell still would not come out and I just had to get out of the shower and accept that I was going to bed smelling like truffle mayo. And I think it went away after a day or two, but it was really, really potent. So before you make a hair mask out of something random because you're trying to use it up, just check on the smell. I would check on the smell and see if you're okay with that smell for a while because it's a possibility. So next up in my list of zero waste fails is trying to make my own liquid dish soap. I got a bar of Castile soap and found some Pinterest idea about grating it, and then I think there was heating it in water, and then it would be liquid, and there was adding something else. I don't totally remember the process, but I remember grating a bar of soap for what seemed like hours, and then trying to create this thing following this recipe that I found, and it created a glob, like a complete sticky, gooey glob, and not soap. It was the weirdest consistency. And I thought, that's okay. I'll just 
scoops them out of this big mason jar when I'm ready to wash the dishes. It'll be fine. It like wasn't soap anymore. I couldn't wash anything. It didn't, I don't know what I did to the soap on a molecular level, but it was not soap anymore. And it also wasn't just water. It was like more greasy somehow. It was really bad. And I kept that shit on my shelf next to the sink for so long because I felt so bad for wasting all of that soap. And I'm going to be honest, I was a little bitter that I wasted so much time. And finally, I just had to accept. I mean, this was probably like a month or two that it sat there, but I didn't use it because it was gross. I mean, literally imagine the consistency of snot. That's what I made. And I finally just decided to dump it out and move on and not be too hard on myself and buy some dish soap that wasn't so disgusting. So that was that was another kind of quick fail. My third one is probably the best. And I'm sure there's other ones that I'm forgetting. But these are three that stick in my mind. But this one, I think, really takes the cake. So I was steaming some broccoli. And I had one of those um, pots where you then put the colander on top and you or steam basket or whatever it is. And then you steam the broccoli. So there's water underneath. So I'm doing that. Broccoli's done. And I'm like, oh, look at this water. I saw on so-and-so's Instagram that I follow that um, sometimes they use their cooking water from different things to water their plants. I was like, this is perfectly good water. I bet there's nutrients in it from the broccoli somehow. So I took broccoli water, as one does, and watered some plants. So a few days go by, and it's starting to stink in the house. And it's that kind of smell where you walk around, but you can't identify where it's coming from and it's driving you nuts. It was like, did something die? Is there a pair of shoes that are just like rotting? Is it the garbage? Is it the compost? And you just can't figure out what smells. It was days of it just getting worse and worse and stronger somehow. And then finally, I was literally laying in bed And it hit me what the smell smelled like and why. It smelled like broccoli. And when I lifted that plant up to my nose, I almost gagged because the plant smelled like old steamed broccoli. And that's where the smell was coming from in our house. It was vile. So that plant had to relocate to an outside home. And I think of that all the time when I'm going to use any water from cooking. Before doing that, again, this is a smell thing. Think about how it's going to smell because that should be in your consideration. I never would have thought about that. I just was trying so hard to use all my water and food And it was disgusting. So word to the wise for that one. And what's interesting is that these all happened during a time where I was kind of in the beginning more of learning about less food waste or less plastic or whatever it is and sustainability. And so I was really trying to be perfect. So these all actually now, they're funny now, but... They made me feel really guilty at like the, the time. I was 
devastated to have to pour out this soap glob. I was really upset that I was going to have to waste mayo. So instead I put it in my head and the water, I was like, oh, I should really start like not wasting any water. There's water crises everywhere, even in our country. I'm going to pour it in this poor lavender plant, I think it was. And that obviously didn't go well too, but I really beat myself up about it. And I think now why these stories are funny to me is because I've given up on trying to strive for perfection in being zero waste or low waste because that is not possible. So when these moments happen, it's funny because you can't always be perfect. Something isn't going to work out. You're going to have to buy something or whatever it is, and that's okay. And if you laugh at them and move forward and try again versus dwell on them and feel guilty about something that is out of your control sometimes, it's not going to be fun anymore. And learning to live healthier and use less and be better stewards of the earth, like those should be enjoyable. That should be a fun thing you should be doing. That should be fun for you. So if it's not, you're pushing yourself and making yourself feel guilty for these mishaps that are going to happen. That's not good. So don't do that. Don't do that. Do as I say, not as I do. Because it is not helpful and it made me feel so terrible. And now they're funny because I made a broccoli plant, broccoli smelling plant. I had a mayo smelling head for a while and I made a soap glob and that's just what it is. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, put it on social media. Don't forget to tag me. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, leave a review. Reviews and shares help more people to see the podcast and join in on the fun. If you want to make sure to stay up to date on future episodes, follow me at Consciously Carly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest, and head to consciouslycarly.com to sign up for the newsletter. Ready for more Conscious Living content? Check out patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and join the exclusive community over there. And finally, if you're ready to take better care of yourself and the world, let's work together. Click the link in the show notes to head to the website, find out more, and schedule a free discovery call with me. Chat soon. This podcast is supported by Will's Vegan Store. Will's Vegan Store has been a vegan company at the front of vegan clothing and sustainable fashion since they launched in 2013 by their founder, Will Green. They produce the most beautiful, vegan, sustainably made shoes, clothing, and accessories. I have been obsessed with this brand for years now. They were one of the first vegan brands that I really made the switch to. It can be hard to thrift shoes, but I love knowing that if I'm going to purchase a pair of shoes from Will's Vegan Store, they are going to be ethically made, their workers are protected, they don't use plastic packaging, they're delivered in an environmentally friendly way. It's truly the most amazing company to support. So if you're ready to try them yourself, hit the link in the show notes so they know that I sent you. (laughs) 